0: Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. I'm your host, Colleen Dully. April 22nd is Earth Day, and like so much else in our world, it'll be different this year because of the coronavirus pandemic. So this week, we're bringing you an interview with someone who's worked closely with the Vatican on ecological issues. And we'll talk about how the environment and coronavirus are intimately linked. Molly Burhans is the founder and executive director of Goodlands, a nonprofit organization that has used location data to create the largest known set of Catholic geographic information in the world. For the last few months, Molly has consulted with the Vatican's Dicastery for Integral Human Development on its new document about water and how to use it responsibly. Welcome to Inside the Vatican, Molly. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. So Molly, you consulted with the Vatican on this new document about water. Why did they reach out to you?
1: So the Vatican reached out to a handful of us from Religious communities. There's one person from the Vincentians, NGOs, um, Catholic NGOs, and also academic institutions like Notre Dame University. And we have compiled a huge amount of data um, about the Catholic Church, not just locally through the USCCB, but globally. Last year, we finished um, mapping about 30, 35 years of Catholic healthcare facilities per country around the world um, mined from Vatican information um, that's publicly available in the Annemarium Statisticum Ecclesiae. So we kind of have that, that initial data set that allows the Vatican and other partners to see just the global landscape of Catholic healthcare and start to get an idea of how to Address the problem of wash in Catholic healthcare facilities, which comprise about twenty-six percent of healthcare facilities globally. It's massive.
0: And when you say wash, that means water, sanitation, hygiene. Yep,
1: water, sanitation, and hygiene. And um, it's immensely important in you know preventing infections. And and in 2018, the UN kind of made this global call to elevate the importance of it, which in a pandemic like. COVID-19, we can see how, how critical you know, washing your hands is for preventing infections, either from COVID or secondary infections. Right. Um, while we have this luxury in the United States where we can tell each other to stay inside if we have a home um, and to wash our hands, many people around the world don't even have access to you know, basic clean water in their dispensaries and hospitals. And mm-hmm. it's a massive, massive public health issue.
0: Right, this is super important, especially in the time of COVID. Like I, I think that just this week we saw the first few cases get reported in the slums in Nairobi and Kenya, and so you know this is going to have a huge impact on our ability to contain the the disease. Um, so let's talk about the work that you did uh, on this document. I, I kind of wonder on a more personal level, like what's it like working with the Vatican?
1: It's interesting. I can't really tell how much I quote, work with the Vatican. Like I've, I've never been paid by the Vatican. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's mostly kind of like pro bono consulting. They reach out for me to provide input. And for this document, what we did was I wasn't involved in the writing of it. I was in kind of a small working group, I would say, that um, we discussed everything from a survey that was developed by Notre Dame, I reached out to one of the leads for GIS at World Health, who has been tracking generally wash in facilities around the world.
0: And GIS is?
1: Geographic Information Systems. There we so are. that's like, it's pretty much data, but it's on a map. And right. maps are a big thing right now, if you've seen any news articles. Um, and so we... I worked with um, kind of the survey that they made and we made a prototype, which is quite simple to do with the software that we use that could be deployed globally, used offline. Um, One of the big issues that we've seen. um, And when I say we, I mean, not just Goodlands but also the broader kind of um, ICT for the information communication technology for development um, community is that there's a lot of redundancy in Mm. information collection. So, You know, the World Health Organization probably has definitely collected information on Catholic health care facilities and WASH access, but they haven't categorized it, you know, that way. And now we have this other survey that can go out. Um, It hasn't been launched yet publicly, but you can view um, a version of it online. And that, you know, if you just go around looking for just Catholic health care facilities, you know, you might be tracking back. So having a centralized hub for information and multiple hubs sometimes to ensure that redundancy is reduced is one of the big things that I've been pushing in the Vatican. And we developed a prototype hub for them, um, which contains a lot of the healthcare, Catholic healthcare network information we already have, and available information about WASH in healthcare facilities globally from the World Health Organization that's public.
0: Mm-hmm. So maybe this is an obvious question, but like, why is this location data, like knowing where these healthcare facilities are? And also, I mean, maybe you have data on where the water access is safe too. Um, Why why is knowing where these things are important for the Vatican's response to something like trying to control a pandemic?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, there's still a lot of convincing to do with some people in the hierarchy. Some people really get the power of location information, and they've been really big advocates for what we're bringing to the table. Um, And I think, you know, just continuing to help people understand that um, you should not be doing this without location data is really important. Um, By having information about location, it enables you to see, say, you have a healthcare facility Catholic. It's the only one within a hundred miles and it's serving a population of, you know, two million people or something like that. You can really make sure that when you target your resources, you do it strategically and ensure that you're saving the most lives possible. And because geographic information systems is kind of like a layer cake and you can just like put as many layers as you want. So you can have your, you know, your kind of baseline you can put on different pieces of information that are just geographically relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you think about it, what's related to water access, there's so much that goes into clean water, whether it's a water source, whether it's the local hydrology and the depth of the water table in an area. Land use, land use has a tremendous impact on the quality and access of, of water within an area. Um, you know, local infrastructure, is this a slum, is this a town that has a water pump, you know, this kind of stuff, which is not, you know, globally consolidated, probably the, the largest global consolidation of information, geographic information is, that's open source is open street maps um, information, but still, you know, starting to layer these in on the local level even helps you um, get a picture of what you need to do to ensure that a program works on the local scale. Another thing that's really important about location information is proximity to other projects and being able to track that. So imagine if you have three healthcare facilities in an area, you know, serving a bunch of people and one group decides to support WASH in one of the facilities and they had no infrastructure and another group does the other and another group does the other and they're all pretty close to each other. You know, you get to ask the question, should we have consolidated these efforts? in this local area and maybe, you know, help someone else um, who wouldn't have any access. So it's, it's really so much about it is strategy.
0: So it sounds like a lot of this is about like being able to use resources efficiently, like in, in the most efficient way possible so that you're not redoubling your efforts. I want to talk to you about you. You've said that you use or you see your work at Goodlands. Um, you said this before as you see it as an extension of kind of Actualizing Pope Francis's Laudato Si' vision, right, which is all all about ecology and social justice—the intersection there. Um, and I'm really curious what linkages you see. Like we've talked a little about water, but what other linkages you see between ecology and this epidemic? Like, how does the environment impact that?
1: Well, I think foremost thinking about Laudato Si', Pope Francis really discusses the the human right of water and its connection to social debt and poverty. Um, he says access to safe drinking water is a basic and universal human right, since it's essential for human survival. And within Laudato si, he really kind of brings to the forefront the issue of water poverty, especially in Africa. Connected to water poverty, which is in Laudato si, partly because it's part of the ecology, is also the destruction of biodiversity, which within that document, I'm pretty sure it's just the next section after the issue of water is the loss of biodiversity, and um, the loss of biodiversity is a huge issue for human health. I actually think that we should be thinking about Catholic ecological programs as just almost an extension of Catholic healthcare because it's so impactful. Um, you know, the loss of biodiversity and the encroachment on habitat and its destruction is what's really triggering the emergence of more zoonotic diseases around the world, especially in the last couple of decades.
0: How how is that? How does that work? The UN
1: Environmental Program reports that around 60% of all infectious diseases are zoonotic, and 75% of all emerging ones are zoonotic. So that means they come to us via animals. Got it. Um, And that's not just COVID-19. It's Ebola. It's bird flu. It's uh, MERS. And um, there was a direct link when we look back at like the Ebola outbreak to forest loss and closer contact between wildlife and human settlements. Um, You know, avian flu was related to poultry farming. Um, There's a direct connection to the interaction of humans and wildlife and livestock and these uh, diseases kind of spilling over, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. If you think about it, the association of bat-associated viruses, which there seems to be some presumption that this at least kind of originated Mm COVID-19 within the bat community and there was some jumping that's still being figured out, Um, loss of bat habitat can be a major issue for driving closer contact with people and these animals. And um, I really think COVID-19 highlights more than ever the need for expansion of Catholic environmental programs mm. um, around the world, you know, taking it to be as serious as a ministry as Catholic healthcare. And, you know, like I said, an extension of that ministry and a necessary part so that we can prevent, you know, the increase of all these weird emerging infectious diseases and increase human well-being. If you look at maps of the United States of um, who is dying the most from COVID who's, you know, having the most severe cases, we're seeing that this is not a non-discriminating disease. It's impacting communities of color, communities um, who have higher poverty rates, who historically are in areas that are environmentally degraded as well. Right. Um, poor There's poor air quality in some of these areas, um, you know, residual toxins. I grew up in Buffalo, which is totally disgusting in some areas like I remember one of my friends started a a coalition because the peace bridge the you know gateway into Canada there there's so much uh traffic and pollution the asthma rates were dramatically higher around it um Mm -hmm. you know and that kind of stuff can really impact and of course it was a poor neighborhood and it was a mostly Latino neighborhood that was around it so you Mm -hmm. had this like compounding social justice environmental Justice issue. And these are environmental problems that are making diseases worse. And it's not just, you know, coronavirus, it's cancer, it's um, asthma, it's all this kind of interrelated issues of the environment directly, you know, impacting people's well being.
0: Um, I want to ask you so we, we talked a little bit about, you know, how you see the location information working into the way that the Vatican can kind of achieve its goals of ensuring justice, you know, in and after this pandemic. I want to look back at Laudato Si for a second um, and ask you, you know, it's it's been almost five years since that came out. Next month, it'll have been five years. Um, and I'm wondering what what you see as the most significant impact of that document now that we're five years out.
1: Oh, gosh. There's so many like scales of impact. Like personally, it was obviously completely transformative, not just for me, but many people I know. It was kind of like this shifting point in our life. What do you mean? You know, it just embodied so much. It's like when you talk to a mentor and they've said everything in your heart and they've said it in a way that makes more sense than you've had time to pull it together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally.
1: And um, they make it make sense, you know, like click in a way that you knew was in there. But you needed somebody else's wiser and more learned voices to come into that space. That's what Si' was for me, um, and I, you know, it's it's been so impactful. I think globally for um, what I've seen, which I'm less involved with, which is the kind of economic dimension of si. Um really a kind of hard hitting critique of rampant free market capitalism um, and its impacts on the environment and kind of harmonious living. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, I mean, it never, and I think this needs to be really clear because there's been so much confusion and paranoia about it. Sometimes there is nothing that says that communism is the solution in it and it's definitely not, you know, but it is, it's giving a valid critique of a system that does need to be shifted. Um, And we've seen you know, Catholic Climate Covenant and a lot of the more kind of activist forward groups really bringing the economy to the forefront um, of these concerns. And as for me, it's been economically, it's been like kind of boots on the ground. I mean, so Goodlands and my work with it has been the first time a social enterprise um, has ever been recognized with a pretty prestigious Ashoka Fellowship that's Catholic. Um, in the United States. this has never really happened before. And the space of Catholic social entrepreneurship and trying to figure out, you know new finance models, new ways that we can imagine our our place as uh, charitable within the economy has been like this wild adventure for me, <laughs> um, uh, kind of at the forefront of that space. but um, and it's still definitely developing. but that's that's been part of it, the economic dimension. Obviously, the environmental dimension, five years in, I'm disappointed. Um, but my expectations are very high. I want to see Catholic Conservation be on the scale of Catholic Healthcare. <laughs> I want it to be the global, largest global network.
0: <laughs> right, right, much like the healthcare, yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and I'm disappointed because we're still seeing, uh, you know, pretty much every Catholic NGO I, I know of, we're still seeing a massive lack of serious resources being funneled towards Catholic environmental organizations. You know, there's a lot of people i know in this space it's just you know kind of uh, brutal (laughs) the amount of work um and kind of what you're subjecting yourself to with so little um like all of our funding right now is secular wow yeah um and you know i just won the UN's highest environmental award
0: congratulations
1: (laughs) thank you (laughs) for representing an entire continent and the first time a faith-based organization is, is represented and it's kind of like, it's strange how mm-hmm. little support there is in the space. Um, but I think people just don't understand it yet. You know, and even Laudato si is really hard for people who don't think systemically because they aren't thinking, you know, that connection between, say, uh, healthcare support and environmental support, there's this kind of chasm or we can wait for it later, you know, the environment can wait. We've got this emergent issue. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always put on the back burner, I think, because of that.
0: Do you think that, you know, obviously this water document was in the works before the coronavirus pandemic came out, but it was uh, pretty explicitly linked to it, at least in the introduction. And it sounds like you have a lot of ideas for how to, how, how these things interact, this, you know, water access, health care, but also Like environmental care as an extension of healthcare. Um, I don't know. I wonder if there's there's any signs of hope there for you in in it being linked.
1: There is tremendous hope. So the feedback from like the people in the working group I've been involved with, from CRS, from the NGO world especially, has been like, this is really moving people. The the Vatican's voice is one of its most powerful um, kind of assets. When it says something is important, more people kind of. Look in that direction. More people start funding programs in that direction. More NGOs take notice. And so, um from from what I've heard is that the the kind of people who are doing more of that the implementation of this rather than tracking or developing tools to understand the global landscape and be strategic, like they are seeing a massive shift already based on the Vatican's um, you know, supporting the uh, implementation of Washington Catholic health care facilities. So this is really exciting.
0: Molly, I feel like I could, you know, talk with you about this all day. Um, I want to congratulate you on the work you're doing. And, and thanks for making the time to come on the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be with
0: you. Molly Berhans is the founder of Goodlands. You can find her work at good-lands.org. And I'll include some links for further reading in the show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of American Media. This episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at Pod. That's Inside Without the Second I. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time.